Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Curators of Craft offer a fantastic, ever-changing selection of craft beers in a range of styles and strengths to suit everyone. Lagers, IPAs, stouts, porters, wild sours, saisons, and a range of Belgian Trappist and Abbey beers to get you in a Flanders state of mind. Choose your own, or let the founders Graham and Kate pick a selection for you. Follow curatorsofcraft.co.uk on all the usual social media and use the code RULEUR15 for 15% off your first order over £40. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the RULEUR Tech Podcast. I am your host, Dan Cavallari, coming at you from Colorado today, uh, as I I always am, in fact. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, you know... If you've listened to any of the podcasts recently, you know that I spent some time at Unbound Gravel recently, uh, just a, just about a month ago at this point. Uh, that's in Kansas. It's uh, pretty much the premier gravel race uh, since gravel really became a thing. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to have you know the, the the cool media pass that lets me get anywhere I want. And uh, I happened to be in the finishing shoot as uh, Lael Wilcox rolled across the line. Uh, she won the the women's uh, XL 350-mile journey through the Flint Hills of Kansas. Uh, and for those of you who don't know Lil Cox, she is a, an ultra-endurance cyclist. And my gosh, go and Google her resume. It is incredible what uh, what Lil has done. <laughs> it's, it's actually a little frightening. I, I think about how I feel after, you know, a 50-mile ride. <laughs> um, but I am actually fortunate enough to be chatting with Lil today. Uh, Lil's joining us from Anchorage, Alaska. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, nice to talk with you. And um, yeah, I mean, really ridden all over the world, but I'm just so grateful that I get to spend time on my bike and then uh, in competition. I love that too. Yeah. I mean, and, and one of the things that I was just wowed by um, was when you rolled across the line after 350 miles by yourself, grueling temperatures, grueling conditions, the smile on your face was incredible. And, and not everybody who rolled across the line looked like that. Let me tell you, uh, <laughs> you know, you looked like you could have gone out for another 350 miles, which is just insane to me. Um, but Leo, what I want to talk about today, uh, if, uh, if you're willing and able is, um, you know, 
ultra endurance cycling is such a is such a niche, and I feel like we all, as normal cyclists, look up to to athletes like you who, who are doing these things that we just can't wrap our heads around. Um, but you know, there's people out there who want to try it. And so one of the big questions I'm sure you get to ask this all the time is what gear do I need? Um, I imagine the answer to that question, uh, varies depending on the course that you're looking to tackle. Can you talk a little bit about, um, and we'll start real basic here with just the bike stable that you have and how you choose which bike you'll need for a specific race. Totally. So the thing, <clears throat> I mean, the primary thing about the, that's different with ultra endurance versus endurance riding or just regular cycling is that I'm always a little more focused on comfort because over long distances, I have so much physical fatigue that I feel more pain on the bike if I don't make comfort decisions. So that means larger volume tires, um, generally more suspension, easier gearing, as my legs get tired so I can get up those steep climbs. Um, so I'm always kind of gravitating towards uh, a more comfortable bike. So for instance, with Unbound XL, I actually rode a hardtail with drop bars. Um, and I think I was the only person in the race doing that, but I was really, really happy with my choice. That was a really rough course. It was actually 358 miles, I think 18,000 feet of climbing, and a lot of it was on rough B roads. Uh, over grass fields, stream crossings, and that allowed me to stay on the bike almost all the time. I don't even know if I got off. Um, and then also feel good on the descents and actually ride the descents faster than if I'd been on a gravel bike. Um, so sometimes these choices are a little unconventional, but I know for me I'll actually be faster if I have those bigger tires and a suspension fork. Um, so that's kind of my decision with that. If If a course is more like half pavement half gravel then I'll stick more with my specialized diverge which is a more traditional gravel bike but even with that I have 48 millimeter tires which is really on the big side for gravel um, but that allows me just to ride more with more comfort and over time it's faster for me mm -hmm. and I think that's that for a lot of people is sort of a counterintuitive decision right like uh, you think about going fast and you think okay I need skinnier tires I need lighter weight I need less things on my bike but really it absolutely boils down to just uh, accommodating your body. If your body is getting beat up, you're, you're going to, you're not going to go fast. Um, and so it's, it's interesting that you did that on a hardtail. I noticed you had a suspension fork on there, uh, with your drop bars that flare out pretty wide, uh, a unique setup for sure. Um, and I guess my, my biggest question with that is, um, when, when you choose those comfort accommodations, like, you know, for example, aero bars, um, I think people misunderstand the point of aero bars. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your cockpit setup. You have the wide flares, you have the aero bars. What, how did you land with that specific configuration? Yeah, I mean, I've been running that since I first raced Tour Divide in 2015. And then I actually had a flat bar, uh, flat bar and aero bars on a hardtail, pretty upright position. And it's not for aerodynamics, but more for comfort. So getting weight off my hands, changing my back position makes a world of difference. I mean, Tour Divide is 2,750 miles. So any way to move your body around, have more hand positions and body positions is ultimately going to make you feel better. Uh, I also stand up a lot when I ride, which is not energetically the best, but for me, it's uh, it keeps my body moving. So I feel less pain. So ultimately the focus is less pain equals faster riding over distance. I can stay, spend more time on the bike um, and pedal more, I guess, efficiently overall for my body. Um, 
Yeah, and then, I mean, this year I actually didn't run aero bars uh, for Unbound, and I think I was one of the only racers, but I did in 2019. So I switched it up, but I had these really awesome Easton, um, they're their new AX, I think, 70 or 90 carbon bars, and it has a pretty flat, wide platform on the tops. So I was like, okay, I could just rest my arms on there, which worked great, especially with the suspension fork, because it's like a kind of a soft landing. Um, you know, the thing is, it's like, the, these are all compromises. So it's like, you're looking at the overall picture and you're like, well, of course I want to keep my weight down, but is this extra weight and extra equipment worth it? And then for Unbound XL this year, I was like, no, I don't need it because it's only a day, you know, sure. versus Tour Divide, which <laughs> takes me 14 days. I mean, right. this was like basically a sprint for me. Um, and that's kind of weird, but that's just how it is. Yeah. Just a quick 26 hour sprint. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, and the, the arrow bars are funny because, you know, there's so much controversy around them and and I get, I get the complaints, you know, people worry about them being, you know, unstable if you're in a group, but just for perspective in those 26 hours, I think it was just over 26 hours that you finished, uh, unbound. How many of those hours were you completely alone? Rare, actually. Yes, which was surprising. Usually I'm alone like most of the time. And then in this race, I was, I mean, there were, I think, 79 of us that started, started super, super fast in 88 degree heat. Um, and everybody's in kind of like their own pace lines at that point, which broke up by the first resupply point at like mile 42 Eskridge. Um, and then from then on, I was with more like you know, five, maybe seven people up into the second resupply. And then it would be more like one or two other people. Uh, but I rode like for the last 20 hours with one, one guy. And then another guy joined us for the last, I don't know, eight hours or something, which is like pretty wild to spend that much time riding with somebody that I didn't know in the past at all. Uh, he was like grunting and swearing and he's in his fifties we, I didn't even know what his name was until uh, like 12 hours in because I was like, I don't want to bother this guy. He seems pretty pissed off. But then sure enough, he just we just rode like either drafting or side by side for the final 20 hours. You know, I mean, that's pretty wild. And it did help a lot because it was insanely windy. I mean, the wind was horrid this year. Uh, so actually, I mean, Unbound XL's pretty um unique for a gravel race because they actually let or for a self-supported race because they let you draft um which i love you know most racing i do drafting is strictly forbidden so for this it's like i could work with people which is a lot more fun than just blazing into the wind alone you know it's way way better so i rode like with this guy dave the the guy that's grunting and then this other guy rob finnegan uh, they're both Midwestern and both in their 50s. And I was like, this is incredible. You never, I'd never expect that to happen, but it was actually amazing. That's, that's, that's totally unique. It actually kind of, I, I'll forgive you. It blows up my point that I was going to make, <laughs> which was that you're with the aero bars, you're, you're by yourself most of the time. So it's not as consequential. So you're more aero. Right. Yeah, that's true. Right. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you actually had some company on that ride. Thank God. Yeah. yeah, I know. And riding through the night, it's way nicer to ride with somebody else. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like it it didn't get cold. So that was nice. I didn't get really tired. But if you have somebody there, even if you're not talking, it keeps you more alert. Two sets of lights, you know, two sets of eyes. And then we can talk about, hey, there's a resupply coming up or, you know, whatever. 
So uh, that was really good. And um, also, no, I had did not expect that to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, I, I was just thinking of how you compared your, your unbound experience to, you know, things like the Tour Divide, which, you know, you're on the, the bike for days on end. Um, whereas unbound, it was just, just one day, which would break most right. of us. <laughs> but what was, uh, <laughs> well, it's hard it is, it is. And, and I think that that comes back to, um, another thing I noticed sort of about your setup that was fairly unique. I think we all have this concept in our head that I'm going to be out there forever. I need to bring everything. Uh, I need bags. I need this. I need that. Um, but your, your setup is fairly svelte, uh, in terms of what you're carrying. Talk a little bit about, um, what you, how you make the choice of what gear you bring and what you leave at home, because it doesn't seem like you bring a whole lot with you, even though you're out there a pretty long time. Yeah. I mean, I look at, okay, what are my resources along the way? Where can I get food? Where can I get water? And then what's the forecast look like? Is it going to rain? Does it look hot? Does it look cold? And then I kind of make the decisions based on that and then really make the final decision just within the day of, of setting out. And for something like Unbound, you can basically look at, okay, this is the one-day forecast. For something like the Tour Divide, you're like, okay, I have a five-day window of good weather and then let's just hope for the best because you can't know. You know. So then for Unbound, I was like, okay, it's going to be like in the high 80s. Um, I don't need like warm clothing because in the night it's only in the 60s. Uh, the I guess the biggest challenge there would be staying hydrated um but then i i actually used to just race in t-shirts and now i've started racing in jerseys where i'm like sweet i have extra back pockets where i can stuff sodas you know so then i'm like i don't even need like that many bags and i never if i can avoid it i try not to ride with a backpack or any kind of hydration pack because it's awkward especially with drop bars it's uncomfortable it makes you sit heavier it's just not as good of a feeling on the bike so i'm like and so then I think about, I get to this resupply, I'm going to chug a liter of water, fill up my bottles, stuff two Cokes in my jersey pockets, and then I'm good to the next spot, which is then I know like, okay, I've got to get another 50 or 100 miles before I get anything. And like, yeah, I might get a little slim, but that's enough. Um, so that's kind of, it's, you know, looking at the exact conditions I'll be in and then where the resources are and, you know, knowing what I can kind of get away with. Yeah. It's almost like compartmentalizing the challenges, right? I have to get through these many hours and then I can sort of reset and then I get through these many hours and reset. Right. And then I don't, I didn't know the course in advance because it was a new course this year, but I figured it's gravel. Yeah. They'll, they'll throw in like 10 mile stretches that are just hellacious, but then you'll get through that and get to something pretty fast again. So it's like, you can kind of like more or less estimate the time it'll take to get a hundred miles, you know, or not worry about it too much, but know that, you know, like, what is it? Probably three liters of liquid will get me there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't carry a hydration bladder of any kind, not even from your frame pack? No. And I didn't have a frame pack either. I just had two bottles and then, you know, two bottles of soda or drinks or whatever in my jersey pockets. And then when I'd get to water, I would, uh, if it was hot, I would uh, soak my entire body um, because that's has an incredible cooling effect, you know. And then, of course, it dries out. But, I mean, you know, that's like definitely can kind of bring your brain back in line. You feel like you're going to fry out there and then you're like, oh, I feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, I, I was telling uh, a friend of mine the other day, I did, a, I did my longest ride of the season, which was 105 miles. And 
I was saying, you know, boy, I'll tell you, when you are in desperate straits, there's nothing that tastes better than a, a Coca-Cola. I don't know what it is oh about God, that's in that. Oh, it's the best. Isn't Even it? Even if it's old <laughs> and flat, you're just like, yes. Yes, sugar. It, yeah, it can bring you back. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just incredible. It is quite a bounce you get from it. Um, but I want to talk, and I want to talk a little bit more about nutrition uh, just briefly before we move on. Um, you know, what you you go from kind of gas station to gas station in a lot of these rides. Um do you carry a lot of food with you or do you just sort of, uh, when you get to a place where you can stop and refill, do you just buy whatever is there? You know, it, it kind of depends, but if I, if it's something like unbound where I know I have to stop to get water anyway, then I'll just buy food there. Um, and yeah, it's not great food. If they have something like pizza, like the Casey's gas stations always have hot pizza. I'm like, yes, because that always tastes good. It's super high calorie. You know, the thing is I get pretty tired of sweets, uh, Soda's fine, you know, iced tea I can do, but then like, you know, candy bars or gummies or any of that stuff, I don't want it. I usually start, I'll start with like a good nutrition drink. Like now I'm working with Gnarly Nutrition and they have this Fuel 2O that has amino acids and um, and calories basically. And so then I start with two bottles of that because I'm like, well, especially in the beginning with it's so hot, I'm not going to want to eat, but I do need to kind of try to keep up with calories, salts amino acids. So I'll do that. And then I'll bring some of their powder along with me just to sustain me through the ride. Uh, but otherwise I'm like, okay, I get into the gas station or as I'm approaching, I'm like, what could I possibly, um, take in, you know, or what can I imagine putting on my bike and eating in half an hour? And then I just go for that. If it's there, uh, often like milk, I try to drink like a pint of milk while I'm there because it's, you know, high calorie, fat, sugar, everything. Uh, but then, I mean, even this ride, I did that. And then I was like, Oh God, you know, (laughs) and then I had to like catch these guys because I was like, I want to work with them to get through this. And they're like, you know, kind of picking up the speed. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to keep this down. That was gross. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and then I'm like, well, you know, do I need a little kick? So I'm like, I'm like fading. So I buy like a Red Bull and just chug that really fast. You know, there's nothing Mm -hmm. like drinking Red Bull and milk at the same time. (laughs) You're daring. You're very daring. so bad. I mean, think about what that's doing in your stomach. It's like an explosion. It's like those volcanoes we'd make in school. You know, it's just, oh. Yeah. But I'm just like, I got to get it in. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. I need something. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to move on to some electronic stuff in a moment, but just before we take a break here, um, and this is sort of a, a gross question, but it's like it's something I've always wondered. Um, you're out there, and in, in, in some of these cases, days at a time, but it's something like like Unbound, where you're out for a day. What if you have to go to the bathroom? Do you carry a shovel, toilet paper, kind of oh, thing? Has that ever? You know, uh, hopefully it happens when you're close to like a gas station or something like that. But otherwise, I just will like kick a hole with my shoes and then maybe have something kind of like baby wipes, you know, and that's it. But yeah, I mean, like that's, that's real, you know, and then even more than that, I, you know, you're like drinking all this, you have to pee all the time. And then I'm like riding with Rob and Dave and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'll like hide yeah. behind the shed really quick while we're filling water. Right. Uh, but that's just <laughs> what you have to do. You know, it's like, you right, have to like, right. that's the thing is you have to take care of all of your own physical needs in addition to being like obsessed with staying on the bike. So then I'm like, okay, right. I'm going to multitask. 
I'll pull over, I'll pee, I'll change layers, I'll put a snack up here, Mm -hmm. I'll fill my bottles, you know, like trying to do everything at once to like minimize the time off the bike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things I say often is that gravel is, women are really leading the way, I think, with gravel. I mean, it just seems like such a a women-led sport, which I think is so cool. Um, and I think anybody, any, any woman looking to get into these types of races has to consider things that I would never think about, you know, being out there for days on end, you know, what if, what if there are, you know, I I don't know. I mean, other hygiene things you need to take care of. I mean, is it, is it something that you have to consider before the race to think about the timing of that? I'm being delicate here, but I don't know if I need to be. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like you get your period out there or something and it sucks, but that's just life. (laughs) You know, but then think about like everybody has these things they have to deal with. You know, I mean, like I'm fortunate I don't get saddle sores. Oh, like think about dealing with that for two weeks, draining your own saddle sores and then getting back on your bike. Oh, oh, no. You know, but that's part of it. But, you know, it's like I have other things like my hands get super beat up. Like I lose all the skin off my palms, you know, like your feet hurt. I mean, like eventually, like so many of these things. And then you're like, you have to keep telling yourself, well, it's not going to hurt forever. This will pass like because it does like an hour later. It's like something I thought was so unbearable is actually fine. It's kind of like when you get super, super cold and you're like, I'm never going to be warm again. And then sure enough, you're like warm again in half an hour. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're like climbing up a mountain. You know, it's like, don't worry about it. Yeah. But do you carry like uh, first aid and basic toiletries with you or do you just kind of leave it at home? I leave most of it at home. Like I'll carry ibuprofen. Um, Let's see. I I use an inhaler. Um, And then I'm trying to think, oh, like sunscreen and chapstick. Definitely need that. Uh, then maybe I'll have some, some like small baby wipes just in case, but you know, it's like, I don't want too much stuff. And then I'm like, well, uh, I'm, I am going to go to like towns and gas stations. So if I need something specific, like I've had to drink like cough medicine before, cause it like sounded like I had bronchitis, you know, I'm like, I'll buy it there. You know, like generally you can find something. It just depends, you know, where in the world you're racing. Cause it's like, somewhere like Kyrgyzstan, it's like, you're not going to find anything, you know, but like if you're in the U.S. or you're in Europe, uh, you know, they, they have stuff, especially Europe. It's like every, there's a town every, you know, 15 miles with something. And then it's, you know, finding creative solutions. Like, well, I mean, one race, it was like a super heat wave. I was riding across France and I had to take this, uh, like powdered formula for, it like baby like kids with diarrhea you know because it's like I was like losing so much salt that that's like that's what I needed to drink you know and it's like well of course that's not for me for having diarrhea but I'm like basically you know like losing everything so then that was like the way I could replenish but you know you're like okay I mean people use like diaper cream and stuff like that when they have saddle stores I mean like that's crazy but it's like that's what you can find Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of adaptability here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, um, I want to chat with you a little bit about how electronics have played into uh, the ultra endurance cycling game and, and what sort of things you need to do to prepare yourself with all the electronics you carry, which uh, some of them are indispensable and some of them are not. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but first, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. So my name is Oren Peleg and I'm an investor in Lekker. Three things that really caught my eye. 
The first one is, is they're looking to change the insurance industry, which is a very large industry and I think needs change. The second thing is, is I'm deeply passionate about getting people on two wheel. We need to address our congestion and pollution crisis and I believe that two wheels have a massive role to play in that. And the third thing is, I can see a growing trend around companies building on the strong communities that they have. And I think Lacquer's business model in the way they tap into the community of cyclists is something that's very much on trend at the moment. Hello, Ian. Hello, Ian. So uh, what have you got for us this week? Well, I've just cracked open a Kiss the Ground IPA from Good Things Brewing in Tunbridge Wells in the heart of Hop Country. Here's the tasting notes for you. El Dorado, Simcoe and Mosaic hops. Expect mango, pineapple and peach from this heavenly hop marriage. All pulled together with extra pale malt, torrified wheat, whatever that is, uh, oats and verdant yeast. And why are you telling us this? Because curators of craft sent me a case of their hand-picked selection of craft beers and ales. Founders Kate and Graham are big cycling fans and big beer fans too, so they're eminently qualified to guide you through their ever-changing range of small-batch beers from independent breweries. Sounds great. Then how do I get mine, Ian? Well, Ian, the good news is there's a 15% off code for ruler listeners, even if they're not called Ian. Go to curatorsofcraft.co.uk and use the code RULER15 for your first order over £40. Delivery is fast to both the UK and Europe. How's that sound? Well, it'll have to do, I suppose. Cheers, mate. Why, hello there. Podcast interruption alert, but I will only take a few short moments to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, you will love the regular magazine. So if you're not a reader already, then you can subscribe at ruler.cc for as little as £6 per month. If you don't speak Northern Irish, that's six times 100 pennies. And for the price of a few coffees, you get regular columns from the wonderful Ned Bolting, myself, Orla Shinnow, and some of the very finest independent cycling journalism there is, all wrapped up in a wondrously beautiful publication. Go to ruler.cc. I'll leave you to it. We are back with the Ruler Tech Podcast. I am Dan Cavallari, and I'm joined today by Lael Wilcox, who's joining me all the way from Anchorage, Alaska. And Lael uh, is is always on your bike. Do you do? do you, are you ever not on your bike? I think this is the first time I've, I've ever seen you without a bike near you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sitting on my bike seat right now. Uh, I mostly yeah. ride because I ride. I don't drive, so I ride to commute to, and so I'm I'm on my bike pretty much every day. I also like walking yeah. and running. So, okay. uh, yeah, as a backup, I'll just walk places. So if you ever see Lael sitting, that's, that's a unique experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to jump back into your gear setup and, and the things you take with you on, on your ultra endurance uh, adventures here. And, you know, I would say within, you know, the last decade or so, uh, a lot of electronics have gone from nice to have to sort of vital to have, um, Let's talk a little bit about what you bring with you that you kind of have to charge and thinking think about recharging or carrying spares of. What do you carry, uh, like a cyclocomputer, a lights, right. those sorts of things? Totally. Yeah, so my navigation is uh, Wahoo Element Rome. And, I mean, navigation is, like, the ultimate need to have for these races because they're not marked. So the way we run them is uh, you get a GPX track, you load it onto 
your Wahoo and then uh, and then that's how you follow the route, um, whether it's, you know, 200 miles or 4,000 miles. So I have to have that and then I have to have a way to charge it. The Rome lasts for up to 17 hours battery life. So I carry two and then I swap between the two and I carry a power bank to charge them. I also have dynamo lighting um, on most of my bikes um, and that is I have a dynamo hub that generates power or when I generate power it will um, charge or it'll provide lighting and then I can also charge out of the back with that with the USB drive um, that's the sine wave cycles light super cool I mean so basically you can stay more or less um, self-supported without you know getting to a wall plug um, my power needs sometimes are a little more than that. So if I throw in a night in a motel, I can charge everything up and then I'm fine. I also charge my phone. Uh, I also have electronic shifting, SRAM axis shifting on pretty much all of my bikes now, which is awesome because I can have a drop bar and an equal cassette, uh, and perfect shifting all the time. But then that means I also have to, uh, charge those batteries. Um, so I have basically like my own charging station going while I'm riding and then, you know, just trying to be efficient of when I charge things to make sure everything's kind of topped up, but not overthinking it too much too. Sure. With a race like Unbound, I assume you never stopped to sleep or camp or anything like that, but I imagine on longer multi-day adventures, that is something you do. Um, do you carry any like lantern or anything for just being in camp or is it just sort of like I stop, I sleep and then I get up? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I usually have like some kind of headlamp on my helmet um, for that, I've used like a black diamond icon puller because it comes with a double A battery pack. Uh, so that's like another way to get around this stuff is that you use stuff with, uh, disposable batteries because you can always find those at the gas station. Um, but in the end, that's pretty wasteful and also heavy, um, relative to some of these more sophisticated lighting systems. I mean, the dynamo light, uh, is, I mean, that's just brilliant for this because you're powering, you have light all the time. And I mean, that's even for non-endurance riders. It's like, we all get stuck out in the dark. And then imagine if you just had a light with you all the time that you didn't have to charge that you just turned on. It's incredible. Uh, so that's huge. Um, yeah. And then for camp, I usually have that icon puller. I've been thinking more lately about just having like a smaller headlamp with like AAA batteries, because like in the end, I don't necessarily have to use it that much, um, basically to find a camp spot to set up, or if I have a mechanical in the dark, you know, that's when I need it. Like, you know, you have this great light on your bike and then you have a flat tire and you're like, uh Oh, <laughs> I can't see anything. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, uh, you do need something. I mean, in the end, I'd probably be like holding my phone in my mouth, shining yeah. like the phone light on it, trying to figure it out. That's not ideal. But right. it's like, you know, I've had that like during the tour divide, I, I didn't realize I lost my headlamp until it was dark. Mm, <laughs> and oh I was no. like, oh, oh God, no. <laughs> okay, oh, whatever. I'll just like try to set up in this gravel pit, yeah, you know, and yeah. then deal with it tomorrow. But right. uh, yeah, I mean, you realize how reliant, I realize how reliant I am on lighting. That's a huge one. I mean, the thing is like, I also do some um, single track racing, which is a totally different beast because you're not riding fast enough on the climbs for the dynamo light to work so then you definitely do have to have battery lights and i found these um this german brand lupine makes absolutely the best lights for this kind of stuff and like the best systems they also have like 
a USB that you can charge off of these battery packs. They're small. They have an app where you can like dial down the light so the battery will last for like 40 hours. You know, I mean, I'm like, this is amazing. You know, so then that's for like something like the Arizona Trail um, or any single track racing that I do, which is so much harder and so much more focused on having good lighting because you're in the woods, you can't see anything. The trail's narrow. It's like, it's the biggest difference between riding or not riding and how frustrated I get out there. Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like every decision you make could lead to like a mini adventure on any of these rides, you know, or it just breaks or, you know, or you're just like, oops, like what happened there, you know? And then you're just madly trying to zip tie and tape stuff together. And you're like, (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) But that's just how it is, you know, or I had like this light on my helmet. I was like, Oh yeah, this was so smart. I used Velcro and then it rained a ton and then it just totally like slipped off. And then I have to go to this little town in Switzerland to buy super glue and super glue it back on. And then I'm like, and then it works. And you're like, what a triumph. I got the thing back on. I am a genius. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, it's really neat that, I mean, how, how gear, no matter how good it is or how perfectly suited it is to what you're doing really forces you to be adaptable at all times. You always have to have an eye on plan B, plan C, right? Totally. Um, And then not like freak out or obsess because like things, that's the thing. Something will go wrong every single race. Something will definitely go wrong. And that's the difference of how you end up performing is that you don't let it get to you too much. You know, it's like you have breathing problems, your knees hurt, your light breaks, you know, it's like, something will definitely go wrong and you just have to like in that moment realize, okay, I've got to stay focused. I've got to deal with this to the the best of my abilities and also like not beat yourself up for making a mistake. We all do. And that's the longer you go, the more chances something's going to go wrong. That's just how it is, you know, and, and then feeling good about when you get through it anyway, you know, even if it's like my brakes are just like blasting noise. <laughs> Yeah, right, like, right, listen right. to some music. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that actually was a question I had for you about uh, the function of your phone. Um, I know with, with Unbound, they actually put a beacon on you so they can track where you are in case something goes wrong. Um, in some of these longer races, uh, do they have beacons or is, is your phone sort of like your your lifeline in that I sense? I mean, the, so like the Spot or the Garmin InReach has two purposes. It's like safety. And then also that's how they can tell you're actually on the route. And that's how people can follow along. So pretty much every bikepacking race, uh, you're expected to carry those and then have like some kind of tracking page so people can see what you're doing. It both verifies your ride. And then also it's fun for people to follow and then safety, of course. So pretty, I pretty much always have a spot tracker, uh, for every ride, but then, you know, the phone's great for, Uh, I mean, at this point, it's like when I started racing, I just had a flip phone, um, until like 2017. And, uh, I mean, the thing that's great about that is the battery never dies. You know, you could have those things for a month. So it's like no power needs. At that point I had like mechanical shifting, a flip phone, um, and nothing else. So I never had, and a dynamo hub. So I never had like any issues with charging, um, But now it's like I do have a phone, so it's like I could look where, you know, the shop might be in town. That's something you could do in advance, like, 
you know, you pour over Google Maps and look where the shops are. But then, of course, you're going to forget, you know, especially something you're out for two weeks or you're like, oh, shoot, like my sleeping pad popped. I need to go find a place to buy one. So you can like look stuff up on your phone. And then I've actually started using the quad lock mount because I'm like, oh, I like I have it like accessible all the time now. I don't have to like pull my phone out and like awkwardly look at it while I'm still trying to pedal. So that's been a pretty big game changer too. just having like my control deck, you know, but then I mean, there's just too much stuff. Yeah, uh, not all the time, but but uh, I didn't used to at all. Like two tour divides and the Trans Am, I didn't listen to anything. I mean, that's a total of like t- almost 10,000 miles uh, in silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and yeah. now I'm like, and I also listen to audiobooks, especially nice. like in the night. Because uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm tired, but then I'm like, oh, I really want to hear this story. So it keeps yeah. me up. Uh, so that's, that's been a cool. lot of fun too. Nice. What's uh, what? Give me at least one song that must go on your playlist. Oh, you know, I get sick of all of them. But recently, <laughs> I've been listening to Bruce Springsteen. That's been pretty fun. Uh, nice. But you know, sometimes like if I'm in um, like huge amount of pain, listening to pop music's awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's music that, has been good. Yeah. The audiobook thing, I mean, I can't think of a better way to listen to audiobooks than totally. you know, over the course of 26 yeah. hours. Yeah, I mean, like, I, across <laughs> Kyrgyzstan, I listened to Lonesome Dove, and I was nice. like, this is the best. Everybody there yeah. rides horses, too, so you're, like, right. part of it. Uh, this yeah. past ride in Alaska, I listened to uh, East of Eden by Steinbeck, and it's nice. amazing. I mean, like, these books are super long, too, and then... You just yeah. get like so into it, you know. So yeah, yeah. that's been a lot of but fun. But no Stephen King, because like in yeah, the I did. I listened to it. Oh, nice. Yeah, that actually, that I was listening to in um, Oregon. I did this ride in Oregon in May, and I was like, I was seriously falling asleep, and I was like, this is just gonna scare the shit out of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I <laughs> oh wait, I got I got a giggle about that. That's too funny. <laughs> Um, I have one, one last question for you that I wanted to ask you before when you were talking about kit, because, um, I was talking to a friend of mine and she does, she does some, uh, bike packing stuff and, you know, she was gone for like a week and I said, how many chamois did you bring? And she said, just one. Um, and that to me scared me. <laughs> um, how many do you bring? Do you just wear one the whole time? Yeah, and but the thing is I don't even wear a chamois. I cut it out. So I wear cycling shorts or bibs, but I cut the chamois out because that's a hygiene thing. Uh, you know, a chamois is like a sponge and you wear it multiple days in a row and you don't really clean it properly or it doesn't dry. I mean, that's just asking for problems. So I cut the chamois out, but I have this really great Ergon SR saddle that I love. And so then I just have basically like Lycra and a nice saddle. And, and then the shorts, I can just rinse them out, you know, no problem. So uh, and then they dry fast. I'm, I'm saying if you have problems, this is, uh, if you don't have problems, stick with the chamois. But if you do, it's worth, it's worth trying. You are a superhero. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I am now very much in awe of you that just that little bit right there. <laughs> 
Um, Lael, is there anything else about your setup that we haven't talked about that would be helpful for people who are considering doing the ultra endurance thing? Um, and this is like the lifesaver. You need to have this or, you know, this is something I learned that I can save you the trouble of having to learn yourself. I think the biggest thing is hand positions really, uh, you know, if you have a flat bar having like, uh, like grips with bar ends, maybe putting an arrow bar on it or having like a handlebar that you're really comfortable on. Um, because your hands do get cooked no matter what. Uh, yeah, otherwise, yeah, just looking for comfortable solutions and, you know, not buying into like, you know, necessarily skinnier your tires are faster or, um, you know, any of these things like look at it as like individually, how will you go the fastest over this terrain and then make all those decisions. And then, and then change them if they don't work out, you know, it's like something that works for me is not going to work for everybody else, but, uh, it's worth like playing around with and, you know, and then seeing, and then being excited about what actually works well. Sure. Sure. Uh, and if people want to follow you on the social medias to see your adventures, which by the way are, uh, is well worth it. And, uh, your partner takes a lot of photos of you and she's a wonderful photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can they find you on the social media? Uh, just my name, Instagram, Lael Wilcox. And then we have a series of free movies on YouTube uh, from various races and events that uh, I'm super proud of as well. Awesome. Uh, and for those of you listening, if you have questions uh, for me, you are, can reach out to me at Brown Tie Dan on the social medias. Uh, you can also reach us at Ruler Magazine. Uh, and, you know, if you have questions uh, for about uh, ultra endurance in general, or specifically for Lael Wilcox, I would uh, be happy to pass those along to her when she's not, you know, the few moments she's not on her bike <laughs> throughout the year. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, if you have questions for us uh, or suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover on the Ruler Tech podcast, I'd love to hear it. Lael, thanks for joining me today. It was, a, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, great to talk with you too. And to all you listening, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.